0: Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to head to heart podcast. I'm your host Jenny Markham. If you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a guest here with us. And I'm gonna let her introduce herself. But I am so thrilled to be sharing this episode with all of you listeners. So we have Lori Krieg with us today. Lori, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little about what you do, who you are, and maybe a fun fact.
1: Aw, thanks so much, Jenny. So nice to meet you and your audience. So glad you guys are here. Uh, yeah, I run a ministry called Impossible Ministries, and I'm a podcaster also, although we're taking a break this year. Um, and I'm a speaker and I'm a writer. And I'm currently getting my master's at Wheaton and praying about a doctorate. I don't know. That's jury's out on that one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the mission of our ministry and our podcast and Pretty much everything I say and do is to equip the church with a gospel-centered approach to marriage and sexuality. Um, We wrote that mission years ago, and I feel like I just keep learning more and more about each word of it, uh, and it just grows and deepens in my own heart and life. Um, So yeah, I've been doing that since 2015 Um, and married for... 13 years, I have three little kids who are seven, six, and three, and a huge hundred pound St. Saint Bernard, Saint Bernard Labradoodle, or Labrador, uh, no, Poodle, where'd the Labrador come from? St. So Bernard, <laughs> Poodle, I know things. Um, I should definitely get that doctorate, and <laughs> I am, <clears throat> a fun fact is I'm one of 12 kids so my mom and dad birthed, well, my mom birthed 12 humans who look and sound and act similar to me. And I am the ninth oldest. Wow. I had, that's crazy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so
0: did When they would like, talk about the younger, the yeah. younger kids, did they like group you in with the youngest three? And they're like, the babies or the younger ones Yeah,
1: so it's kind of like because there's 12 if you divide by three well by four there's three different families and pretty much so the oldest four four girls and there's the middle four and then i so i'm technically you know birth order books tend to stop at about number four (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so like, uh, but I act like an oldest, a firstborn. So I'm like the oldest of the youngest group. So okay. yeah. I, yeah. yeah, the olders, they, I think they call us like the youngers who, I don't know, whatever they call us. Probably the privileged
0: ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good fun fact. Well, Lori, I just want to ask you, what have you been set free from?
1: That's a good question. I have been... Wow, that's hard to put in the past tense, isn't it?
0: Yeah, because it's like, an ongoing process.
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things I'm in the ongoing freeing journey of is to be set free from self-hatred. You could also categorize that as shame or toxic shame. I think God is really setting and is in the process of setting me free from self-hatred. Um, After I graduated college, so I was 22, I was really wrestling with a huge decision of was I going to come out as a lesbian atheist? And I say atheist because I actually believed what the Bible said about marriage. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think uh, I could live it out without wanting to die. Uh, so I was either going to come out as a lesbian atheist, and I say lesbian because I've been attracted to the same sex since I was young. Um, I am married to a man now. Feel free to circle back and ask about that, how that happened later, because um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. Um, <clears throat> but I was and still am attracted to women, again, still well married to a guy, but I, I didn't know how to live that out. There was, I didn't have congruence between my mind, heart, and body, uh, and spirit, the, my theology, um, and what I was really experiencing inside of myself. Uh, and so I was either going to kill myself or come out. And um, I prayed in that moment, God, if you get me through this, would you help me to be a voice of hope and encouragement for even one other person? Mm. And I honestly, like, that wasn't like, I have an idea. I'm going to tell this story on a podcast in 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't in my head. It was, I have no idea if I'm going to make it through this. And there was no, no books out yet. Like Wesley Hill, my friends, um, like Preston Sprinkle or, you know, Jackie Perry. Nobody was talking about this yet. Nobody was like saying, oh yeah, you can experience this and still follow Jesus either. It was like, you're either gay and you find a wife or you're not and you're straight. So this was 2008 or you become ex-gay. That was a thing. So Mm -hmm. it's basically like you go from gay to straight. And I was so baffled. You guys, my dad was a pastor at that time and I was like the annoying Christian leader girl on my Christian campus, like the one that did all the stuff. That was me. <laughs> and I was, I was very sincere about it too. Like, I wasn't like, I'm going to perform. It was truly, I loved God the, the best I knew how. And so I was pretty baffled. You know, I, I wasn't chasing after these same sex desires. It just would kind of be this like flickering thought growing up. Mm-hmm. And I've tried dating guys and it just... I never understood why I didn't really want to get close to them at all. And then I met another Christian woman who felt the same way about me as I did about her. And I found myself in a secret same-sex relationship. And the fissure in my soul was brutal. And I hated myself as we're talking about self-hatred. And I felt as if I deserved it. I mean, you'd hear... This, this was in the era of what I call porn and pancakes. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> what is porn and pancakes? Just
1: bear with me. Okay. So okay. early 2000s, there was a good, I, I will say good, it seems like it was really helpful, kind of revolution where with the dawn of the internet, a lot of guys discovered pornography and got addicted to it. My husband now, that was his story starting at age 11. I know a lot of women wrestle with that, et cetera. Okay but early 2000s there was a movement going around from churches where they're like let's talk about porn addiction let's call it let's make it zazzy so guys want to come so let's make saturday morning porn and pancakes Well, pancakes and we're going to talk about our pornography addictions oh let's just get real yeah i'm not kidding that was everywhere there's lots of testimonies up front and i'm grateful I really am. But I will be honest, it was so brutal to be sitting in the pew or rows of chairs that are stackable as I was at with a church plant. It was so brutal to hear elders, pastors share their own stories of recovering from or experiencing maybe even ongoing pornography addiction, heterosexual pornography addiction. And then the next sentence could be, oh, that's so gay. Or, oh, total abject disgust Mm -hmm. at LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. So sexual brokenness and sexual brokenness, right? It's like we're comparing apples and apples. Right. But for some reason, mine was worse than theirs. And here I was lost in wanting to die, going to church every week, hearing sermons about idolatry and how we need to surrender these things we put before God and recognizing my girlfriend was this idol that I was unwilling to let go of because in a lot of ways she felt like she scratched the itch of my heart. And so I was looking for a safe place to land I was looking for somewhere, for someone to tell me that the self-hatred I felt inside wasn't what was the right cure, quote unquote, I don't believe in a gay cure. I'm just saying that's what I felt like I deserved Mm -hmm. because I was wrestling with what I felt like was the worst then. So there I was wrestling with that and I graduated from college and I was on my own. I was a newspaper reporter. I'd gotten a journalism degree and I was like, I can do whatever I want. (laughs) you know like I'm not I'm not at Christian college anymore I had broken up with my girlfriend I tried dating this one guy and I was like I really my heart connected to him Mm -hmm. and then we broke up and it was as if we never dated I was like 24 7 a girl is what I need and I start seeing a therapist who because of the Suicidal ideation, one of my friends was like, Yeah, you should probably not want to kill yourself. I was like, That's fair. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, seems smart. So I start seeing her, and God's will had it that she was not just a therapist, she was more like Dumbledore, Yoda, Jedi Master of spiritual amazingness now she wasn't actually Dumbledore she wasn't actually magical but she just <laughs> knew God you ever mm-hmm. meet those people who you're like it seems like they're floating because <laughs> they're yeah. so holy mm-hmm. <laughs> that was her but she didn't come off that way it also didn't hurt that she was like 6'1 and um very tall and knew and loved God and she started using language That was so helpful for me in my self-perception to remove some of that shame and self-hatred. First of all, if you study any of uh, Kurt Thompson's work, The Soul of Shame, the antidote to shame or self-hatred is to to be seen in your mess and loved in your mess. That's what God did in the Mm -hmm. garden with Adam and Eve. They were hiding and and he's like, Where are you? And he didn't ask, Where are you? Because he lost them. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. He's God. Like he's looking for them. And so here's Adam and Eve. And he's like, w- w- why are you hiding? We were ashamed because, not because of the sin they did, but because of their nakedness. They, they didn't have to feel that shame. And so they felt this whole body self-hatred. That God, He saw them in their mess and He called them out. He sought them. Carolyn, that was my counselor's name, she sought me out. And she didn't talk to me about Leviticus 18 or 20 or 1 Corinthians 6 or Romans 1 or any of the other homosexuality, quote unquote, you know, clobber passages. She started using heart language. And she'd ask me questions like, Lori, When you envision the ideal, perfect woman, what are you hoping for? I was like, gasp. No one's
0: ever asked that before.
1: (laughs) No. And it feels awkward. I'm like, what am I going to say? I actually didn't even know what I'd say. Like, is going to be an awkward, like sexual words I'm about to say. And I was shocked because the words that came out of my mouth were not sexual in nature at all. They were heart words. Hmm. I want to be seen and known and loved. And I have been looking for being seen, known, and loved since I was a little kid. And our parents ideally are the perfect representation of God who see us and know us and love us just as we are and show us God. They're the perfect reflection of God. But of course, they're imperfect. I'm imperfect as a parent now. But I was like, she was like, those are good needs, Lori. You're just looking in the wrong place. Now, the right place was not to a dude. Mm -hmm. And I also said to her in my sassy self state, I said, well, the answer shouldn't isn't going to be Jesus because I've tried him and he doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, well, it is jesus and and it was jesus of course he's the answer ideally our parents are these perfect representations of god who see us and know us and love us but they can't ever scratch those itches of our heart we call them these this hole in our heart augustine referred to it that he said you made us for yourself O lord our heart is restless until it rests in you and so we have these good needs inside It's not always okay to say that you're needy. It's not usually okay to say, I want to be chosen. I want to be safe. I need to be safe. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to be sought. But we all go to the wrong places. And we all have barriers between these good needs of our heart and the need meter of our soul. And these barriers are trauma. They're sin we've done. They're just things we've learned incorrectly. And so Carolyn, my counselor, she really helped me to remove some of those barriers between the good needs of my heart and the need meter of my soul. And that did not take me from gay to straight. But it really did make room for God's love, more of his love, I actually experienced it. I actually, I like, I usually say like, that's when I fell in love with Jesus and it's uh, such an eye rolly sentence, but <laughs> true. It is, this is like his best. I know how to say it. Like, I was like, Oh my word. I'm looking for Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: are you kidding me?
0: The whole time?
1: And, yeah. What? <laughs> and that he can actually scratch the edge, even though it's not permanent. Like that's, that's heaven talk mm-hmm. that we will experience, but we can have these glamours of it now and so ephesians 3 talks about what his love does then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from god when you know this love that surpasses knowledge so it fills us his love fills us with his power Mm -hmm. his power for what i would argue it's he empowers us to die to self to not just my same-sex desirous default, but also my perfectionism default—to to feel okay by being perfect, to feel okay by performing enough, to feel okay by trying to be one of the, the best kids of the twelve. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. tell my siblings. <laughs> so that really helped me to remove the self hatred, and again. <laughs> it's in process but to feel empowered enough to know god loves me right now when those pastors say things when there is the hypocritical statements and sentences i am loved by god now Mm -hmm. the opposite of homosexuality or same-sex desire is not heterosexual desire it's it's jesus Mm -hmm. completion in him so I, I wasn't interested in men. So it wasn't a matter of me being like men versus women. It was a matter of like, this is what I'm drawn toward. This seems like it's going to scratch the itch of my heart. And I realized she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Women can't. Men can't either. Mm-hmm. But then that's another question of is, well, then why is it men and women in marriage? Why am I married to a dude now? Really, the way I see the world from my worldview is we are all created for an intimate relationship with Jesus we all have broken sexuality and some of our defaults are toward the same sex and we get to surrender those and some of us who are attracted to the, to the opposite sex is we have to surrender that and we all need to ask the Lord Jesus what do you want with my life what do you, what, what do you want with my life it's not, can you help me find my person? It's, what do mm-hmm. you got for me, Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so we, he's got this kingdom of God thing that he's doing, and he wants us to be a part of it. And so married and single, those are equally valuable modalities or modes we can fulfill the mission to make disciples. Mm-hmm. Equally valuable. But then you might be saying, oh, well, I really sense the Lord the way he wants me, the mode, and this is what I started sensing why so I'm married to a guy the mo that he wants me Lori. not everyone like me he could have called me to singleness but he wants me to fulfill the mission to make disciples as a married woman and I go all right well then what's marriage it's not like a, oh it's to do it's duh it's well what is it why is it to do why is it men and women and this is where the second half of my story comes in, which I won't elaborate on, but you guys can read about it in our book, my husband and my book, Impossible Marriage. Uh, we, our marriage almost ended about seven years in because I really had to confront the theology of marriage. Why is it male and female marriage? I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. So If you start talking to anyone who's married, gay, straight, I mean, especially straight marriages in the church, Many of them are hurting very deeply. And I was confused. You know, if you're like, <laughs> a lot of the language you hear is like, the old ball and chain. Or, <laughs> you know, you really want to have, isn't it hilarious how you want to have sex before you get married? But then you get married and, oh my gosh, you just hate them. Like, truly, that's, that's a lot of the jokes mm-hmm. is eye rolls. So where I had to look, sure, sure, you can look up, you know, Leviticus 18, 20, blah, 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 Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, which matter against prohibitions against same-sex marriage. But I was curious, why is it, what's the yes of marriage? And this is what I think everyone needs to ask. If God is calling you to marriage, what's marriage about? And this to me is the strongest argument for God's design for marriage is Ephesians 5, 31, 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, and the two shall be united to one. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. So male and female, united into one. What's the mystery? What's the mystery? Well, okay, male, is it it that men and women fall in love, and it's just a mystery? I don't know. (laughs) Boop you on the nose. (laughs) They just fall in love. And I, I feel like, yeah, I'm very confused about that. Tell me about that mystery, please, for someone like me. <laughs> but no, the mystery is the illustration of Christ in the church. Hold up. I never heard, or I never understood this. If I heard this growing up, I didn't understand it. So I'm going to throw it out for y'all listeners and you, dear Jenny, in case you haven't heard this, is men and women Are called if they're called to marriage It's supposed to be male and female because it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one how different are men and women. Pretty different so they're pretty different, but how different is God from the church like ontologically different it says in ephesians 1 he is far above every ruler power and authority not only in this life but in the life to come it says in isaiah 58 that he lives in eternity what the heck does that even mean we can't our
0: brains around it
1: (laughs) right and yet the whole arc plot of the bible from the beginning there's a marriage and the end there's a marriage is This is Christopher West says this. He is a Pope John Paul II theology of the body student. Um, He says the whole Bible can be summed up in this one in three words or four words. God wants to marry us. Mm -hmm. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. When my kids ask me, why is it? Why can't two girls marry each other? I say, well, they can legally. I said, but it's not God's best because when mommy and daddy love each other, we show you a picture of how much God loves you. Marriage is a metaphor. It's a gospel picture in our neighborhoods, in our homes, and in the grocery store. Of how very different we are from each other, how very different God is from us, but how he will, he will and wants to marry us. Mm. So this is why it's such a significant question and why it matters is it's not, you know, well, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam, Adam and Eve, it's no, no, no. It's, if we're choosing yes to marriage, gay, straight, or otherwise, however you identify, however your, your broken sexuality is, if you're saying yes to marriage, then I believe you're saying yes to an opposite sex marriage, but you're saying yes to a gospel picture.
0: Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's, it's like, sometimes the question that's going through our heads is like, who am I attracted to? But sure. that's not necessarily the key question. It's it's like what what did God design marriage to be like?
1: Yeah. Yep. And then those attraction questions can factor in, you know, like it they can be a part, but I don't I don't think they should be the primary part. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we've we've really lost I think, a lot of the theological beauty of marriage, in my opinion. Mm -hmm.
0: That's a beautiful picture of what the actual, like, key question is. And that's not exactly, that's a question that people are wrestling with just everywhere in the States right now. It's obviously legal to marry someone of the same sex, but Christians are, they're on different sides there are Christians who are affirming of that. And there are Christians who would say they don't believe that's what the Bible meant. But as you just wonderfully put the design of marriage is to be man and woman, and it's to primarily look to Jesus, whether you're called to be married or single.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if someone is, comes out as gay or, or transgender, or bisexual, or however they're identifying their self or is struggling with same-sex attraction, what do you think that the church's response needs to be?
1: Oh, man, nothing but love. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I recently posted, and I'll say this when I speak, and I'll say we love songs that come on the radio that say things like, You love me just the way I am. And we love to sing that about ourselves mm-hmm. as we consider our own pet sins. Mm-hmm. Can LGBTQ people sing that just as much as we, anyone can, as you can. Can mm-hmm. I sing that too? Now the pushback I'll get within 1.2 seconds is yes, but God loves us enough not to leave us there. I hear you people. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. But let me reference for you uh, the last several decades. I grew up overhearing all the war on marriage talk. There's a war on marriage. This was during Moral Majority 80s and 90s. And if you are younger than 25, you you might not have grown up with that, but maybe you did. But it was basically a lot of talk about the quote unquote homosexual agenda is going to destroy America and like murder babies in their cribs. That was. The essence of it, Mm -hmm. and I grew up with that as a not straight kid. I heard that on the radio, and do you think I felt safe to share my anything?
0: Absolutely not. Nope.
1: No. And the suicidality rate of LGBTQ kids is two to four times more likely, and forty-one percent of of trans people are more likely to attempt suicide. Forty-one percent, like one out of too that's mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. Now, here's when I share statistics like that, something that grieves my heart and my spirit is there's like a third layer of people's consciousness. I'm not assuming this about your listeners now, but of some people's consciousness when they hear the suicidality rate, the self hatred rate, etc., the self harm, is they think, Yeah, well, they're sinners, don't they deserve it? And I implore you if that's something that's going on in your own head as you're listening or someone you know is raise your hand if you deserve life all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and so Mm -hmm. i would say the first thing we need to do is love people where they are as they are i wished that I could have at least heard more of the ground is level at the foot of the cross in that people from the pulpit would share. Here's some list of sins, LGBTQ stuff, porn stuff, and really like put it on the same playing field. I actually would have helped me feel safe to name my stuff as sin, but put it on the same playing field (laughs) as (laughs) your sin. So love we love everyone the same. And then when you talk about sin include it. if you're talking about a sermon, don't not include it, but also don't isolate it. Right. as this is the worst one. It, it doesn't help me feel safe. If you don't say it, it doesn't help me feel safe. If you do only say it, I want to hear all the sexual sins. If you're, if it's the sexual sin sermon, <laughs> list them all. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a huge thing. And then I, you know, I do a seven-hour talk and a two-hour talk on how to be safe. But I'll say one other thing is I would encourage you to use the language of the day. And so instead of demanding, you know, people, I use your language. Be missional. If you were to fly to a foreign country and didn't speak their language and you jumped out of the airplane and you screamed, you need to know Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't and think that'd go over well. <laughs>
1: no, don't speak a language. Yeah. So I'd encourage you to speak the language in order to earn the relational currency or equity to be able to speak at a heart level. So those are my two things, love and and speak the language.
0: I feel like what you said makes so much sense and that like, let's take, if you're, you know, just being a safe place for a friend. Mm. Sometimes, you know, if someone says, well, I'm struggling with uh, making out with my boyfriend too much or we have bad boundaries. You're probably going to make yourself, like, available to talk whenever they want. Like, how can we set these boundaries? Yes. Depending on how they're doing. But maybe on the other hand, if they were like, I am attracted to women and I'm a woman – You know, sometimes we feel like we need to prove like that is wrong, but there's no need to, to shove that in their face right then. That's Mm -hmm. just not the place for it.
1: Yes. Yes. That's so good. I I will say, if in doubt, switch it out. If you really like have some big issues with LGBTQ stuff, switch it out in your mind. Don't say it out loud. For a sin, you can more easily understand and empathize with. Mm. So what if this woman was sleeping with her boyfriend? How would I talk with her? Oh, like a normal person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A
1: lot of of my talks, I'm like, I say that like at least five or six times. Like, just be a normal human. Just Mm -hmm.
0: talk. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So let's say there are people listening who are in that same boat as you were when you were 22. And they're just like what advice would you give them if you were talking to let's say yourself as a 22 year old coming out of college?
1: Yeah. What advice would I give her? Oh my word. I'd probably just sit with her and just cry for a while at how misunderstood she feels and is and how lonely and isolating this space is. And then I would say, you know what, a lot of people do really stink at this conversation. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. And I really want to try and be a safe place for you. Will you please help teach me and tell me if I say something wrong? And will you help me to to hear you? I was dying almost literally for just someone to hear me and to just put all the questions on the table and sort through it. I didn't want to argue, I want to think, and I and people were so uptight and anxious, they were unwilling to pause their truth swords, daggers mm-hmm. to just hear me. So I would really listen. Which there's a Harvard study that says if you simply listen to people who are in completely opposite ends of you, uh, in on your beliefs that I, I think it decreases anxiety and helps them to actually come to even your side a little bit more by like 46 percent it's only 40 maybe 41 46 just listening wow just calms the down, them down instead of being like I love you but mm-hmm. I, I don't you know it's like you were saying just be normal so I think empathy sitting next to and then all right let's throw it on the table let's look at this together what do you think about this
0: Okay, I'm going to switch tracks a little bit here. And I think I wanted to include this because it's becoming more and more of a prevalent topic to talk about. Um, And we know that it's becoming illegal in certain states. It probably will become illegal in more states in the future. But I wanted to know about your thoughts on conversion therapy. First of Mm. all, could you define what that is for any listener who is not familiar with it?
1: Sure. Conversion therapy, I think different people will define it differently. But essentially, the way I understand it is you're trying to convert someone from gay to straight. And this uh, happened a lot in the 80s, 90s. There's like a lot of promises of straightness. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was googling things, even in the early 2000s, that was a lot. It was like, here's all the testimonies of people who were snorting crack and sleeping with the same sex. And then they became straight and a Christian. Hey, Uh, Greg Johnson's book, still time to care. Greg Johnson. He talks about the history of that. It's really valuable, valuable book.
0: And I think there was a, let me know if you've seen this. There was a Netflix documentary. Oh yeah. It was called pray
1: away. Yeah. Pray um, the gay away. yeah Did you see that? Julie Rogers. I couldn't watch it. I was in a rough um emotional state, but I, I read a lot about it. And Julie, I've met her, Julie Rogers, several times. Um as she's kind of walked. She's like kind of the star of that uh documentary. I've walked and walked followed her journey from you know, she was at Exodus, so that was an ex-game mm-hmm. movement. To being at Wheaton and she was side B, which means she identifies as gay but holding to a traditional view. Then she became affirming and then she married her wife. So I've kind of watched her.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so watching that documentary, I think it came out last summer. That yes. was my first like exposure to what conversion <laughs> therapy was. I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing, but it was talking specifically about Exodus. Yes. And how harmful that was. And I was like, Oh, my goodness. Is this like still going on? Are there still mysteries like this? Um, so what are your thoughts? Do you think that conversion therapy is biblical at all?
1: Oh, yikes. No, I, I don't. I, I think it is there like the air, some of the arrows of it, it would like from what I've heard now, maybe this is only legend at this point, but from what I understand, there was even like layers of shock therapy. Like they would have you watch porn, either gay or straight. I can't remember, but try and like shock you out of your gayness. So that seems like, I don't know, evil. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I used to ask the Lord to change me. I don't know if I know any gay people who didn't have a season of that. At least, like, who grew up in the church? Mm-hmm. And then I realized it was a waste of a prayer. I I don't need to become straight. I, that's I don't know anyone who's straight. I've never ever met it. Like, so so you are you praying to never be tempted in that version of sexuality again? Like, where in the Bibles that say you're never going to be tempted ever again? Never. It's when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Mm-hmm. So. If I became a raging heterosexual, my husband wouldn't love that. He would be like, "Ah." (laughs) Like (laughs) well, that that I'm attracted to all these guys now. Like that's somehow better. No, I want, I want my sexuality to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. That's my prayer. And, and then if he's, if he's called you to marriage, whatever your default brokenness is Mm -hmm. of your sexuality, then, then ask the Lord to make you one with your spouse, so that you are a beautiful gospel picture to both your spouse and yourself and the world of how much God loves you and them and everybody. Mm-hmm. So, I, I really think it's a waste of a prayer. I'm so. I think, I think conversion therapy is fruit of a marriage idolatrous world.
0: Wow. In- yeah. That makes a lot of sense. As you put it like that, I'm like, yeah, it is only focusing on literally what we can see, not on the other side of eternity at all. Yep. It's just focusing on who you marry right now.
1: Conversion therapy is fruit, yes, of a marriage, idolatrous and sex-obsessed world. We yeah, we are like, well, you need to find them attractive. Why? Because that's what your life is about is making Christian babies and tithing and dying. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's about the kingdom of God. And he may actually want to honor you may get more glory to God through your daily submission of your version of broken sexuality than if you're the straightest person all day, every day. Yeah, it's that's not the point of life. That's such a cheap and boring life to focus Mm. on only sexuality
0: well i'm glad we squared that away it is not biblical
1: (laughs) (laughs) in my opinion uh, and i think most experts in this field would agree
0: yeah so if we have that okay this doesn't align with what the lord is leading believers to live by is it at all in any way helpful or do they have any like technically successful stories of yeah it actually did work
1: i mean again greg johnson's still time to care he'll he'll quote some things if you want like a nice summary of some of the quote unquote research but it's all to borrow from my dad's words hogwash mm. like it it really it's the the research is shoddy and and then anecdotally i've talked with hundreds of of submitted to Christ LGBTQ people who identify ex- as SSA or same-sex attracted or LGBTQ at some level, I do have not yet met someone who's gone from gay to straight. Like, and because, even if they say they do, ask them. So you never struggle with lust toward the same sex? Well, yes I do. Okay, so you're not straight. <laughs> <laughs> Like and, and then again, what would be the next question? Oh, good. So you struggle with less toward the opposite sex? Like, and then we say what? Good job. <laughs> Congratulations. Congrats. <laughs> like what's what, what is that conversation?
0: That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> um so Lori, if people listening want to do more research or dive into the word themselves, are there any resources that you would recommend about this topic? any aspect of it to our yeah.
1: list yeah i i think a good starting point is centerforfaith.com uh that's my friend dr preston sprinkle and greg coles and some other friends there i'm on the board of directors there so full disclosure but it's just really solid not cheesy and like weird i don't know just where you get a bad vibe and maybe you you may you may vibe badly but it's just theologically grounded. You can look up his pastoral papers if you're like, okay, well, what about pederasty? I thought it was just like, you know, all these arguments that you hear, look up, you know, 15 reasons for the affirming view and 15 responses if you wanna look up specific arguments back and forth with that your affirming friends or you yourself may have, feel free to read them. But he's really gracious in his tone and um, tries his best to engage this well. Uh, You can also check out our podcast. Again, we're on a hiatus this year. Uh, It's called hole in my heart podcast. We've interviewed everybody, a lot of people who are in this conversation. We talk a lot about um, trauma to my husband's a therapist. And so we engage that you can also read our book. If you want to know more about the marriage metaphor that I talked about um, and, and how, how we got married and how we're staying married (laughs) um it's called an impossible marriage did that with IVP in 2020 so yeah those are a few places to start
0: Um, I will make sure to link all of those in the show notes so any listener who wants to just click on any of them they can easily access them and Lori I cannot thank you enough for being our guest today thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience I think that the world needs more of what you can offer
1: <laughs> of just <laughs> grace you. and being a yeah. safe space for people. Thanks so much. So glad you're um, putting these messages out there, Jenny. Thanks for what you're doing too. Thank you so
0: much for listening to this episode of head to heart podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us.